Section 20 of the Book of Sir Marco Polo, the Venetian, Concerning the Kingdoms and Marvels of the East, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Book of Ser Marco Polo, the Venetian, Concerning the Kingdoms and Marvels of the East, Volume 1, by Rusticello da Pisa, translated by Henry Yule. Book 1st. Chapter 5. Of the Kingdom of Mosul. On the frontier of Armenia, towards the southeast, is the Kingdom of Mosul. It is a very great kingdom, and inhabited by several different kinds of people whom we shall now describe. First, there is a kind of people called Arabi, and these worship Mohammed. Then, there is another description of people who are Nestorian and Jacobite Christians. They have a patriarch, whom they call the Jatolic, and this patriarch creates archbishops and abbots and prelates of all other degrees and sends them into every quarter as to india to bodas or to cathay just as the pope of rome does in the latin countries for you must know that though there is a very great number of christians in these countries they are all jacobite and nestorians christians indeed but not in the fashion enjoined by the Pope of Rome, for they come short in several points of the faith. All the cloths of gold and silk that are called muslins are made in this country, and those great merchants called muslins who carry for sale such quantities of spicery and pearls and cloths of silk and gold are also from this kingdom. There is yet another race of people who inhabit the mountains in this quarter, and are called Kurds. Some of them are Christians, some of them are Saracens. But they are an evil generation whose delight it is to plunder merchants. Near this province is another called Muz and Murdin, producing an immense quantity of cotton, from which they make a great deal of buckram and other cloth. The people are craftsmen and traders, and all are subject to the Tartar king. Chapter 6 Of the great city of Baudas, and how it was taken. Baudas is a great city, which used to be the seat of the caliph of all the Saracens in the world, just as Rome is the seat of the Pope of all the Christians. A very great river flows through the city, and by this you can descend to the Sea of India. There is a great traffic of merchants with their goods this way. They descend some eighteen days from Bodas, and then come to a certain city called Kisi, where they enter the Sea of India. There is also on the river, as you go from Bodas to Kisi, a great city called Bastra, surrounded by woods, in which grow the best dates in the world. In Baudas they weave many different kinds of silk stuffs and gold brocades, such as Nasich and Nak and Cremosi, and many other beautiful tissue 
richly wrought with figures of beasts and birds it is the noblest and greatest city in all these regions now it came to pass on the day in the year of christ twelve fifty five that the lord of the tartars of the levant whose name was alau brother of the great khan now reigning gathered a mighty host and came up against baudas and took it by storm it was a great enterprise for in baudas there were more than a hundred thousand horse beside foot soldiers and when alau had taken the place he found therein a tower of the caliphs which was full of gold and silver and other treasures in fact the greatest accumulation of treasure in one spot that ever was known when he beheld that great heap of treasure he was astonished and summoning the caliph to his presence he said to him caliph tell me now why thou hast gathered such a huge treasure what didst thou mean to do therewith knewest thou not that i was thine enemy and that i was coming against thee with so great an host to cast thee forth of thine heritage wherefore didst thou not take of thy gear and employ it in paying knights and soldiers to defend thee and thy city the caliph wist not what to answer and said never a word so the prince continued now then caliph since i see what a love thou hast borne thy treasure i will e'en give it thee to eat so he shut the caliph up in the treasure tower and bade that neither meat nor drink should be given him saying now caliph eat of thy treasure as much as thou wilt since thou art so fond of it for never shalt thou have aught else to eat so the caliph lingered in the tower four days and then died like a dog truly his treasure would have been more service to him had he bestowed it upon men who would have defended his kingdom and his people rather than let himself be taken and disposed and put to death as he was howbeit since that time there has been never another caliph either at baudas or anywhere else now i will tell you of a great miracle that befell at baudas wrought by god on behalf of the christians chapter seven how the caliph of baudas took counsel to slay all the christians in his land i will tell you then this great marvel that occurred between baudas and mazul it was in the year of christ that there was a caliph at baudas who bore a great hatred to christians and was taken up day and night with the thought how he might either bring those who were in his kingdom over to his own faith or might procure them all to be slain and he used daily to take counsel about this with the devotees and priests of his faith for they all bore the christians like malice and indeed it is a fact that the whole body of saracens throughout the world are always most malignantly disposed towards the whole body of christians now it happened that the caliph with those shrewd priests of his got hold of that passage in our gospel which says that if a christian had faith as a grain of mustard seed and should bid a mountain be removed it would be removed and such indeed is the truth 
but when they had got hold of this text they were delighted for it seemed to them the very thing whereby either to force all the christians to change their faith or to bring destruction upon them all the caliph therefore called together all the christians in his territories who were extremely numerous and when they had come before him he showed them the gospel and made them read the text which i have mentioned and when they had read it he asked them if that was the truth the christians answered that it was assuredly so well said the caliph since you say that it is the truth i will give you a choice among such a number of you there must needs surely be this small amount of faith so you must either move that mountain there and he pointed to a mountain in the neighbourhood or you shall die an ill death unless you choose to eschew death by all becoming saracens and adopting our holy law to this end i give you a respite of ten days if the thing be not done by that time ye shall die or become saracens and when he had said this he dismissed them to consider what was to be done in this strait wherein they were chapter eight how the christians were in great dismay because of what the caliph had said the christians on hearing what the caliph had said were in great dismay but they lifted all their hopes to god their creator that he would help them in this their strait all the wisest of the christians took counsel together and among them were a number of bishops and priests but they had no resource except to turn to him from whom all good things do come beseeching him to protect them from the cruel hands of the caliph so they were all gathered together in prayer both men and women for eight days and eight nights and while they were thus engaged in prayer it was revealed in a vision by a holy angel of heaven to a certain bishop who was a very good christian that he should desire a certain christian cobbler who had but one eye to pray to god and that god in his goodness would grant such a prayer because of the cobbler's holy life now i must tell you what manner of man this cobbler was he was one who led a life of great uprightness and chastity and who fasted and kept from all sin and went daily to church to hear mass and gave daily a portion of his gains to god and the way how he came to have but one eye was this it happened one day that a certain woman came to him to have a pair of shoes made and she showed him her foot that he might take her measure now she had a very beautiful foot and leg and the cobbler in taking her measure was conscious of sinful thoughts and he had often heard it said in the holy evangel that if thine eye offend thee pluck it out and cast it from thee rather than sin so as soon as the woman had departed he took the awl that he used in stitching and drove it into his eye and destroyed it and this is the way he came to lose his eye so you can judge what a holy just and righteous man he was chapter nine how the one-eyed cobbler was desired to pray for the christians now when this vision had visited the bishop several times 
he related the whole matter to the christians and they agreed with one consent to call the cobbler before them and when he had come they told him it was their wish that he should pray and that god had promised to accomplish the matter by his means on hearing their request he made a good many excuses declaring that he was not at all so good a man as they represented but they persisted in their request with so much sweetness that at last he said he would not tarry but do what they desired chapter ten how the prayer of the one-eyed cobbler caused the mountain to move and when the appointed day was come all the christians got up early men and women small and great more than one hundred thousand persons and went to church to hear the holy mass and after mass had been sung they all went forth together in a great procession to the plain in front of the mountain carrying the precious cross before them loudly singing and greatly weeping as they went and when they arrived at the spot there they found the caliph with all his saracen host armed to slay them if they would not change their faith for the saracens believed not in the least that god would grant such a favour to the christians these latter stood indeed in great fear and doubt but nevertheless they rested their hopes on their god jesus christ so the cobbler received the bishop's benison and then threw himself on his knees before the holy cross and stretched out his hands towards heaven and made this prayer blessed lord god almighty i pray thee by thy goodness that thou wilt grant this grace unto thy people insomuch that they perish not nor thy faith be cast down nor abused nor flouted not that i am in the least worthy to prefer such a request unto thee but for thy great power and mercy i beseech thee to hear this prayer from me thy servant full of sin and when he had ended this his prayer to god the sovereign father and giver of all grace and whilst the caliph and all the saracens and other people there were looking on the mountain rose out of its place and moved to the spot where the caliph had pointed and when the caliph and all his saracens beheld they stood amazed at the wonderful miracle that god had wrought for the christians insomuch that a great number of saracens became christians and even the caliph caused himself to be baptized in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy ghost amen and became a christian but in secret howbeit when he died they found a little cross hung round his neck and therefore the saracens would not bury him with the other caliphs but put him in a place apart the christians exulted greatly at this most holy miracle and returned to their homes full of joy giving thanks to their creator for that which he had done and now you have heard in what wise took place this great miracle and marvel not that the saracens hate the christians for the accursed law that mohammed gave them commands them to do all the mischief in their power to all other descriptions of people and especially to christians to strip such of their goods and do them all manner of evil because they belong not to their law see then what an evil law and what naughty commandments they have 
but in such fashion the saracens act throughout the world now i have told you something of bodas i could easily indeed have told you first of the affairs and the customs of the people there but it would be too long a business looking to the great and strange things that i have got to tell you as you will find detailed in this book so now i will tell you of the noble city of tauris End of section 20 Reading by Alan Mapstone in Oxford, England